to the Faith Times Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the third Sunday of Advent for the week of December 11th, 2022. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, but I'm also... Ugh, Love Advent in a lot of ways, but it's also the frustration that Advent also brings. Because Advent also brings the frustration of us wrestling with some difficult stuff, and we'll definitely get into that this week. So it's that whole point, I think, that's super fun, but also challenging within Advent of the preparation and us preparing for what we know is coming, but also the preparation where we have to look ourselves in the face and realize that there are things that this isn't necessarily the greatest. There's things that we're having to wrestle with. There's things that we're going to have to work through, things that are difficult. And that is hard. That's not fun. And that's what we'll get into a little bit this week. And I feel like I let us into this week pretty well with asking the question last week of where do we need to keep hoping? And there was a great response I had this last week looking at different problems within the world, climate change, leadership that's kind of questionable, and trying to understand in all of this what is God's plan? Where is God in all of this? And the person brought up hearing about we we're going to run out of petroleum around 1980 and then looking at food and how we were going to have a food shortage. And yet here we are and we still have food, that we're still figuring out things, that the idea that there wasn't any life in the oceans below 100 feet. And yet now we're realizing there's plenty of life and a lot of things that we haven't discovered down there. So it's this whole idea of us realizing we're only seeing a glimpse of what God is actually doing. One of the things that I really like thinking about and imagining with God is that we're in this big, huge room with this huge tapestry. And on the floor is this tapestry of our lives. And we're in there with a flashlight. And so we can always flash the flashlight backwards so we can kind of remember what we've seen. But then we're also kind of slowly working across and trying to learn what this is. And there are moments where we get someone flipping the switch on a little bit more so we can see a little bit more of the picture, but we can't see all the way down. Or for some reason, someone walks in with like a torch and suddenly we can see a little bit more of what the tapestry is around us, but we can only look at small sections of it at a time. And I think that's one of the things that's hard for us to wrestle with is that we are only seeing small sections of time and space. And especially with where we'll go this week with the discussions for the text for this week, It's something that we are wrestling with. It's something that we are working on and we recognize that there are things that are going on, but it's then how is our response, even if the work that we're doing seems futile in certain ways. So the Old Testament text this week is out of Isaiah chapter 35 verses 1 to 10. This is, again, we're in Isaiah doing a lot of the forecasting of what is to come. And so we have to remember as we're in these weeks of this forecasting of what God is going to be doing. And I think that's one of the things to remember in this. But we have this image of the wilderness and dry land, and yet the desert still is going to blossom and rejoice and still is going to 
give forth this beautiful thing. And then we get this imagery of how things that appear that should be weak are suddenly being made strong. So the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, the lame shall leap like a deer, the tongue of the speechless shall sing for joy, for water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert, the burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water, haunt of jackals shall become a swarm, the grass shall become reeds and rushes, which grow where there's water and there's abundance. So this idea of how we're going from something that's next to nothing to something of abundance is a totally different idea. And this is where God's playing with this idea. And this is what Isaiah is going for is that the Lord is going to take what is looking like it is nothing and make it into more than something. So we have alternative Psalms this week. The first alternative Psalm is Psalm 146 verses 5 to 10. This is recognizing again that God is the one who is doing all this work and giving praise to God. But it's this recognition that he made the heaven and earth and all that is within the faith. But he executes justice for the oppressed and gives out food for the hungry. He sets the prisoners free. He opens the eyes of the blind. He lifts up those who are bowed down and loves those with righteousness, coming from verses 5 through 8. So this idea of how God is in and amongst us and working within us and is doing all these things and recognizing even in the small things that God is doing that. The other alternative psalm this week is out of Luke chapter 1 verses 46b to 55. This is Mary's Magnificat after hearing that she is going to give birth to Jesus, that this is going to be the gift of what has been promised for generations. And this is a very popular, very familiar section. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name coming from verses 46b to 49. So this idea of recognizing all the things that God is doing. And I think that's part of where we're getting at this week is recognizing all these things that God is doing. The New Testament text this week is out of James chapter 5 verses 7 to 10. This is, I think, the text that really brings this all together. And the forerunner is definitely the gospel, but I do feel like James this week kind of helps lock everything into place by giving perspective, especially these first few verses. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another, so you will not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the door. 
As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And that's the whole text this week. But I really think the patience in this and trying not to judge one another, but this idea of we have to be trying to work together, but also recognizing that the results of what we're doing now, we don't necessarily see immediately. It's this process that takes some time. And that's one of the things that's hard at times. The gospel text this week then out of Matthew is out of the 11th chapter, verses 2 to 11. This is kind of a fun text, again, interjected into the middle of Jesus's ministry here. But John is in prison. He hears what's going on with Jesus. He decides then to have his disciples go out. So John's disciples go to Jesus and ask him, are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? And Jesus responds to them, go and tell John what you hear and see. And then continues with, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them, and blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. And then as those disciples continue on, he then kind of questions the crowds asking, why did you go and look for John out in the wilderness? What was the whole thing that you were looking for? What was it? And he kind of wraps it up here in verses 10 and 11. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of woman, no one will rise greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So this idea of how Why were the people going out and looking at John the Baptist? And Jesus kind of confirming here, yes, this is the greatest of what humankind can do. I'm here doing things that will blow this even greater. And it's so much greater of what I can do than what John can. But it's also kind of reverting it back on John, this recognition of what more are you looking for? What more do I need to do to have you understand that this is who has been sent? So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug. Full working preacher. If you haven't checked out working preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their sermon brainwave podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give you some perspective and some different ideas on how to be able to look at these texts. But I'd also highly recommend checking out their commentaries, their discussions, and their podcasts that are going on over there. It's a great resource. If you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I use them on a weekly basis to look at all the texts, but also they have some great art, prayers, hymns, making sure you're staying with the liturgical colors. There's a lot of great resources over here. I really do enjoy how this is laid out, and I really do enjoy flipping through the art to take a peek how are different people interpreting these texts. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that. Also, one of the things when I look at these texts and that I notice when you're looking at the Matthew text in and of itself is this idea of how, what more do I need to do for you to recognize what is going on? What more warning signs or things do I need to do for John to recognize that, yes, this is the Messiah, 
that is being sent, the one who has been promised. And yet, there's still doubt that John has on whether or not this is the person who has been sent. And yet, we look to the Psalms and we look to the Old Testament in this recognition of how God does provide. It's the question of, do we recognize it? Do we recognize where God is working? Mary in the Magnificat obviously recognizes this, realizing this, and James is the reminder of, in all of this, we need to be patient. There are times that things are going to be happening, but they're moving at a different tempo than what humankind is used to, that it's moving at a slower tempo. When I look at these texts, and it's something that I know I've talked about, but it's been a hot minute since we've talked about this. I think this is a text that screams talking about climate change. We have to even dig in a little bit more of it's not global warming. And the reason we don't use global warming is we recognize that in climates changing, not all climates are affected the same way. Some are actually going to get colder before it gets warmer. This idea of how each climate is affected. But yes, we are looking at a world that is becoming different more and more by the day. And the thing is, is the data is stacking up. When we look at the amount of carbon dioxide in parts per million in going through the ice cores and different things that we have, we have never seen the heights of CO2 levels that we are right now. And we're also recognizing that from this post-industrial revolution that we are having more and more of this going through. We're noticing on average that global temperatures are rising. Here in the United States, we had the third hottest summer we have ever had. The first and warmest summer we ever had was in 2021 and 1936. The Dust Bowl is in the middle of 2001, 2021, and 2022. We're noticing that global oceans are warming. We're noticing that the ice sheets are shrinking and glaciers then are retreating and snow cover is decreasing and sea levels are rising and having more Arctic sea ice, which is causing more water, so more frequent storms that we're having that are huge. And we're also looking at the acidification of the oceans and how that is wreaking havoc on things like the Great Barrier Reefs and just global reefs around the world and how it's affecting a lot of sea life. We're looking at all this and the data keeps coming through. We look at the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change and how they keep every couple years putting out these papers that are quite scary. And we have even talked about it. Often when that gets released, I end up talking about it here on the show. And yet we're having more and more governatorial bodies looking at more and more science societies stating that, yes, Humans are having an impact, and yes, this is changing things rapidly, that we are having things change at a pace that we've never seen before. We're looking at temperatures getting in ways that the world has never been before, and yet there's still large portions of us that either don't want to acknowledge it happening, or two, especially if you're in a developed first world country like myself, How much of my day-to-day life is different than it was, say, even five years ago? 
how much of how I'm interacting and taking this knowledge and taking this news, is it affecting how I live my life to try to make sure this impact is being recognized and me taking part in it? Am I not then kind of like what John the Baptist is doing? That all this different stuff is going on, and yet I am slow to recognize what is actually going on. I'm slow to acknowledge and change and react to what is going on. I'm taking my time in doing that. And that's where, to me, when I read this, it's Jesus saying, what more do I need to do? What more do I have to do to show you that I am the Messiah outside of death? What more do I need to do? We look at our current climate crisis. What more needs to be done for people to recognize that, yes, things are happening and it's beyond what we've ever been able to measure before? People stating that we don't have the science going back far enough to be able to recognize it. Well, we can't go back, but we can take ice cores and what we're understanding of it. And ice cores are taking the atmosphere is embedded within those ice cores as ice is taking in the oxygen as it's making ice. And we can look at the different water molecules and you can break it down and look at the amount of carbon dioxide within the cores that is frozen in time. And as we're looking and seeing that as it's cross comparing with our even now data from 20 years ago and being able to line up with the charts that we had then and looking at where it is now and then going backwards, we're recognizing we are in territories that we've never been before, that we have had impact, that we are looking at with having all these storms and having oceans rise and having all these different things that, yes, as where you're at, it might not directly affect you, but it is affecting other people around the world. We are getting to places where there's going to be people who have to leave the area and where they live or grew up or have spent their life because it is no longer habitable for human life. The rise of the oceans is too much, that it becomes unlivable in those locations and they must go to a new place. As humans, one of the things that I know we typically, most especially developed first world nation people, we struggle with the idea of just leaving a place. And yet, with our own actions and interactions, we are forcing others to leave place because certain people within this group of humans, myself included, want to live easier or perceived easier. And when we're getting these news and we're not changing our own habits, we're not willing to make those sacrifices. We aren't willing to acknowledge what is going on. Everyone suffers. Everyone hurts. Everyone is in pain. Jesus comes in and is trying to recognize that this is a global thing, not an individual thing. Jesus is recognizing that one small interaction, those small interactions add up. And that's where the James text is so important. That the little interactions that we do, the little habits that we change to help the environment don't go unnoticed. It's just hard necessarily to measure immediately. But the more of those that we do, the more impact we actually have. And the hard thing with all of this is just because we flip off into a renewable world, say tomorrow, 
doesn't mean that we see the impact immediately. It's going to take a long period of time for those impacts to be seen. We'll start seeing the results, but it's going to still take time. Another example of this is if you look at, and I know this isn't our typical content, but looking at the economic markets the last couple years and how COVID-19 wreaked havoc on the market. We had a quick crash and then we started bringing money into the economy and everything went awesome. And now we're talking about inflation. And so you have rates going crazy as there's prices of things have gotten higher and higher. And there there's question of, are we over tightening to spots where are we moving into at least a recession in the United States, if not a global recession? All this was Boom, 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 boom. And it's all the different interactions that when we did an action, we didn't immediately see the result. It took time. I don't plant a seed in the ground today and expect tomorrow to be picking apples off an apple tree. It takes time. That's one of the things that we as humans wrestle with, struggle with, is this idea of taking time. And that's where I really like the image of in James the patient farmer, because it is patience to have something grow. It takes time. It doesn't just happen overnight. When we are in a society that we're so used to being able to flip switches, push something, click two-day ship on Amazon, and suddenly, amazingly, it's at my doorstep nearly instantaneously. Depending on the city in which you're in, you can even get same-day shipping with Amazon. A matter of hours, it's at your doorstep. We have to remember God can work that way, but that is not always how we see God work. Yes, God was doing healings that seemed to be instantaneous or healings that were fairly quick, but it didn't change the whole movement of what Jesus was doing. It still took a lot of time for people to recognize. And heck, after his death, there was still a lot of recognition. And we still have Plenty of people who question, did this thing all happen? When we are in this Advent season of preparation, the question does become, what evidence do we need for you to understand this, to see this, to show this, to have support of this? How much evidence do you need supporting your thesis before you recognize that that happened? Are we always critical to the point where we miss the boat because we even see John potentially missing the boat because John is trying to be so critical and there's good things about being critical but it's also potentially causing John to completely miss the Messiah where in our own lives are we potentially missing where God is working where in our own lives are we potentially missing where God is working That's your question of the week. Because the reason with that is within the climate sphere, with us dragging our feet and being procrastinators, are we missing potentially what God is trying to show us? Because we keep saying that that's not a thing. These warning signs are just, they're cycles. And maybe it's a cycle, but maybe we're also magnifying it. And what things are we missing out on because we're doing that? What things are we overlooking because we aren't willing to acknowledge that potential truth. And I would say as a scientist, when I'm looking at that evidence, it looks more and more 
like a solid hypothesis to support. We've talked about how we can't always just immediately jump to fact in science, but that the evidence is becoming stronger and stronger. And I would say it's very strong, especially if you're reading through some of these different scientific consensuses. One of them that jumped out to me from the American Association for the Advancement of Science, based on well-established evidence, about 97% of climate scientists have concluded that human-caused climate change is happening in 2014. There's more and more of these different places that are acknowledging it. At what point can we acknowledge that? That's part of this difficult season of Advent. That Yes, it's amazing. I love Advent. But there's also parts where it's like, oh, I'm banging my head against the wall because Advent forces us to stare ourselves in the mirror. It forces us to reflect. It forces us to recognize we're not the divine. And as humans, we like putting ourselves as divine, even though that we have no business being in the divine business. That's what's so hard about it. It's hard to acknowledge that. And in that acknowledgement, we also then recognize that then if we aren't divine and we make mistakes, yes, forgiveness and that comes, but also the action of reversing those trends, the action of recognizing that, yes, I am maybe contributing and making an impact on others in a way that isn't necessarily good. And that I need to reflect and figure out ways to maybe reduce my climate impact for the betterment of everyone. And that's an important step. It's a hard step, but it's an important step in acknowledging and growing as an individual, as a human, but as a person of faith as well. In this season of where we are waiting with anticipation for Jesus coming the second time and acknowledging the excitement and acknowledgement of him coming the first time, we then also need to recognize that there are things that we have to continue reflecting on ourselves, be able to be better stewards of the environment, better stewards of the world, but better followers of Christ and who we are called to be. And that means that we need to have our eyes open and be alert and aware to what is actually going on and acknowledging things as support continues to happen. Be willing to ask the difficult question even if we don't want to acknowledge it, kind of like John is actually trying to do. It's difficult, it's hard, but it's necessary. And it's in those moments that we really grow in faith. And that is part of the reason and anticipation of Advent. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science. <laughs>